Lord, we ask that You would speak through Your Word. That's what we've been singing, Lord. That as we gather, Lord, come and teach us. As we hear Your Word, as we open up Your Word, Lord, please come and teach us. Thank You for the beauty that there is. Thank You for the life that there is in Your Word. And I pray, Lord, we Your people, we need You. We need You to speak. And we ask that You would. Revive our souls. Revive our hearts. May we see Jesus Christ. In your precious name I pray. Amen. I want you to think about words this morning. I hate you. I love you. I believe you. I remember you. I miss you. Those are words we often speak. And what you need to realize about those words is that words, they are powerful. Words are powerful. And the Spirit testifies that to us all the time. Proverbs 18.21 says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That means in the tongue, with our words, there is both death and life. Our words can speak life to someone, and our words can speak death to someone. And we see that in the very beginning of the Bible. and the very start of the Bible, you see words that speak life, and you see words that speak death. In the very beginning, it said, the very first words that we have recorded in the Scripture that God ever spoke, He said, let there be light. And there was light, and it was good. And when He spoke, He spoke life, didn't He? And so what is amazing about creation to me, it isn't just that He created the world in seven days, but that He created the world with his words he spoke he said let there be light and there was light and so what that means is whenever you look around at creation when you look at the sun when you look at the stars when you look at the clouds of creation how did he do that he did that with a word it is not the amount of days that drives me nuts i mean the amount of days if you believe there's a creator he could have done it in a minute if you believe there's a creator he done it in a day. If you believe there's a creator, you would believe that he could do it in seven days. What baffles me, what amazes me, is that he spoke and all the stars came into being. He spoke and all the land came into the being, the sea and the creatures and all of that. Just by his word, there is power in life in the word. And also in the word, there is death, isn't there? Because the first recorded words of Satan were these. Did God really say? And because of those words, what happened to the world? Death was brought into the world. And so what I want to say to us this morning is this, that our words, they are powerful. Our words can bring life to people, and our words can bring death to people. What way do our words speak to others? Do our words speak life? Or do our words speak death? Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11. It says this, and I'll be asking you to turn a few times this morning. This is the first verse we'll look at. Proverbs 10, verse 11. The mouth 
of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. What are you saying there is that there are two mouths. Two types of people, two people that uh, Proverbs talks about, it often talks in contrast, two types of ways. There is the righteous mouth and there is the wicked mouth. There is the wise person and there is the foolish person. There is the one who goes down the narrow path that leads to life and there is the one who goes down the wide path that leads to, to destruction. There are two types of mouth, the righteous mouth and the wicked mouth. And before we get to what the righteous mouth said and what the wicked mouth says, what we need to ask ourselves is, what kind of mouth do I have? In other words, what kind of person am I? Am I counted as righteous or am I counted as wicked? Am I counted as wise or am I counted as foolish? Proverbs tells us, where is the beginning of wisdom? How do you know that you're wise? The beginning of wisdom, Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7, is the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, the beginning of wisdom is what? Fear of the Lord. So how do you know whether I'm wise or I am a fool? It is this, do you fear the Lord? Do you trust Him with your life? Have you surrendered your life to the Lord? That's whether you know you're on the wise path or the foolish path. Now, how do I know whether I'm a righteous person or a wicked person? It is not primarily by what you do, it is by who you trust in. Genesis 15 verse 6, Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's what made him righteous. Not by what he did, but who he put his trust in. So this morning, how you know you are righteous or wicked is by whether you have put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ starts there. All wisdom begins there. And so I would ask you this morning, if you have not placed your faith and trust in the Lord, the forgiveness of your sins, do that this morning. Be treated as the righteous this morning. The invitation is open to you to not be counted as the wicked, but to be counted as the righteous. Now, if this morning you say to yourself, well, I believe Jesus, I trust in Jesus, and I want my words to reflect the righteousness that I have in Him. What does it say about the righteous mouth? Verse 11, the mouth of the righteous is what? A fountain of life. For those who have been made right before God, guess what comes out of your mouth? Fountains. Fountains, streams of water, fountains of life will flow from you. Your lips will be life-giving. Your lips will be refreshing. Can I ask you something? What is one of the most refreshing things you can do for yourself in life? One of the most refreshing things. Now, I'm not looking for the Christian answer, you know, reading the Bible and singing. Of course, there are things, but, but just for you, like if you were to be selfish for a day, just for a day, if you could get that moment, that selfish moment to yourself, we, we all long for that, we all yearn for that, if you just had that moment, what would be a really refreshing thing for you to do, where you would do it and you would say, that's life. Can I tell you mine? It's very, very simple. All I want is just some water, a pool with nobody else in it, 
And all I hear is just me going through the water. I love that. That is really, really refreshing for me. If I had that moment, that's what I'd have. On a sunny day, on a sunny day. Do you know what's refreshing for me? Most of you know it. A glass with ice filled with Coke Zero. So, so life-giving for me. That when I take it and I, when I drink it, I say, I think that's what I to do for people. I think when we speak, people it's life-giving. That's refreshing. It's the words of the righteous. They are a fountain of life. If that's what the Lord would have us do as a people, speak words that are fountains of life. Speak words that are life-giving. So if we are to speak words that are life-giving, what do those words look like? What do life-giving words look like that literally out of our mouths will flow fountains of life? What does the Proverbs say life-giving words look like? First, Proverbs would tell us that life-giving words, they are gentle. Turn to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4. Life-giving words are gentle. Proverbs 15, verse 4. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but in it breaks the spirit. There are words that are and there are words that can break the spirit. I would say that many of us have been on the receiving end of words that break our spirits, words that cut us down, words that feel like we aren't worth anything. And you know, I played a sport previously, not now, <laughs> and when I played, you had two types of coaches. You had the coaches who would speak life into you. And you had the coaches who would break your spirit, who would tear you down, who would rip you a new one if you came in halftime you didn't play well. You had those coaches who would break your spirit. And I often wonder to myself, I was like, if I was a coach, it is life-giving words that tend to, to breathe life into people, not cutting them down, not tearing them down, not ripping them apart, but speaking life into them. We are called to be a people who don't break spirits, but speak life. It's so easy for us to break the spirit of our friend, to break the spirit of our spouse, to break the spirit of our children, isn't it? So easy with our words to break them down. But here it says a gentle tongue is what? A tree of life. A tree of life. Proverbs talks often about the tree of life. You don't need to turn there, but just listen. Proverbs 11, verse 30. The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. Proverbs 13, verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And then Proverbs 3, verse 18, talking about wisdom, says this. She, wisdom, is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. A tree of life, a tree of life, a tree of life. What does that tree of life 
remind you of? What does that tree of life take you back to? That tree of life takes you back to the garden. Do you ever wonder what this life would have been like without sin? It would have been exactly like the garden. And what would the language of the garden been like? What would they have talked like in the garden when they inside the tree of life? What would Adam and Eve have talked like? They would have spoken gently. They wouldn't have been their words. And what it says in verse 4 is a gentle tongue is a tree of life. If we speak in that way, if we catch a glimpse of that way, if we get a vision for speaking gently to one another, do you know what it's going to do? It's going to take us back to the garden. And don't you want to be back in the garden? It doesn't just take us back to the garden, though. No, what it does actually is it points us to the new garden. Because it tells us in Revelation, chapter 22, it's a new heaven and a new earth. And guess what tree is in that garden? It is the tree of life. Guys, I don't want the old garden. I want to get to the new one. I want to get there. And guess what language people speak on the road to the new garden, the garden that is the tree of life? They speak gently to one another. That's the language of heaven. It's gentle. It's not harsh. Now, gentle language and easy until, until someone harshly to you. Isn't it really, really difficult to be gentle when someone else is harsh? When someone else shouts at you, what is the first thing you want to do? Fight fire with fire. Not so for the righteous life. It is to be gentle. And so in, in Proverbs 15, verse 1, it says this, 15 verse 1, look at Proverbs 15 verse 1, it says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer turns away wrath. A harsh word stirs up answer, anger. So what that means is when you're the recipient of anger and a harsh word, you have a choice. Proverbs presents you with a choice. Will I speak soft words back to this? Or will I speak anger back to this? And if you speak anger back to this, guess what's going to happen? Is it going to solve it? Is with anger going to solve anger? No, guess what? Anger plus anger equals fire. That's what it equals. And so what Proverbs is saying is wisdom would say, instead of responding to anger with anger, wisdom would say, give a soft answer. And it is so tempting for all of us, isn't it? To speak anger to anger. So tempting. And one of the places I, I think we see anger with words, you know, throughout uh, the world nowadays is, is on social media. I was, looking, I was looking at Sky News. I often look at two sets of news headlines, RT News headlines. Sky News, just look at the headlines, see whatever happens. And it really frustrates me. I look at Sky News, and guess what's one of, one of the headlines? One of the headlines of Sky News this past week was a Twitter battle between two celebrities. That makes headline news. Who cares? 
There's deeper things going on in the world than what's happening with these two celebrities on Twitter. The week before, there was an Instagram battle between two celebrities, and it made the headline of world news because these two people couldn't control their words. Who cares? The reason being because they were fighting anger with anger. And we had that as a church. As a church recently, we hosted Creation Ministries event. And so what we tried to do was, was to promote that event online, to promote the event online. Now, as soon as you promote something online, what are you leaving yourself open for? You're leaving yourself open for harsh words and abuse. So we promoted this Creation Ministries event online, and guess what happened? Someone comments back, swearing at us and calling us a cult. Now, we have an option. How do you respond to that? And, and, and for some reason, Christians get so sensitive about this stuff. Oh, I can't believe they called us a cult. Are we doing something wrong? No, it's going to happen. We don't need to be as sensitive. It's just going to happen. We can't avoid it. So he says this, and then we have a choice. How do we respond? Now, if we responded with anger, would that have solved it or made it worse? Made it worse, absolutely. So what did we choose to do? Here's what we chose to do. Pray for him. Word. That's what we chose to do. Now, we could have deleted it. That's okay. You could do that. But wisdom is asked to navigate these things. What are you going to do? Leave the comment there. Pray for him. Ask the Lord to change his life. Came from somewhere, even if he was trolling the page. It came from somewhere. You see, because sometimes it's not just gentle words we need to say. Sometimes it is no words at all. Wisdom would call for that. Proverbs 17 says this, whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. (laughs) When a fool closes his lips, he's really smart. So what that means is sometimes when we get anger, sometimes wisdom will say, you should answer with a soft word. And sometimes when we get anger, wisdom would say, the most intelligent thing for you to do right now is to close your lips. Is to close your lips. Life-giving words are gentle. Sometimes they are no words at all. Second thing I want to say, and more briefly, is life-giving words are gracious. Life-giving words are gracious. Look at Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24. Proverbs 16, verse 24. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Gracious words, they are sweet. What are gracious words? Gracious words are kind words. Gracious words are encouraging words. Gentleness is kind of defensive. It's projecting gentleness as being defensive in in a way. I'm going to be gentle. Graciousness is the words of attack for a Christian. I'm going to graciously speak words of grace. I'm going to encourage. That's how Christians attack. We, We encourage each other. We speak words of life to each other. It's it's gracious. And when you speak gracious words, what is it? It's sweet to other people. Now, as many of you know, I am married to a Brazilian. And being married to a Brazilian, 
There is something you can add to food that may... I wasn't going where you thought I was going, by the way. Yeah, I know. Gracious words (laughs) where she thought I was going either. (laughs) Whenever you make something in Brazil, there's something that you add to the food that always makes it way better. What you add to the food that always makes it way better is condensed milk. If you add condensed milk to anything, I tell you, it's gold. You add condensed milk to anything, it makes it better. And when you take condensed milk out with a little spoon, you take it out with a little spoon, you take it out and you, and you pour it onto a plate. If you, just try this when you get it home if you have it. Take the spoon out and you pour it out onto the plate. And as you start pouring it out, you'll see it pour out and it kind of does, does this on the plate as it lands. It just looks so good, so sweet. The perfect picture of sweetness. For the Christian, when we speak gracious words, it's like condensed milk coming out of your mouth. It's sweet for everybody to hear. It's just nice to hear those gracious words from people. Speak words of grace to one another. Wouldn't that be amazing if that was our church? That whenever we spoke, condensed milk would come out. That there would just be this sense that whenever even people would visit, there would be just this sense that when these guys speak, it is sweet. I don't agree with what they're saying. Some people might come in and say, I don't agree with what they're saying. I don't believe what they're saying. I don't believe what they do. But when these guys speak, there's sweetness that comes out. Man, that could change somebody's life. I heard someone share... Romans 12, verse 10. And Romans 12, verse 10 is probably, I've come to the conclusion, one of the most countercultural verses in the whole of Scripture. It says this, Proverbs 12, verse 10, Love one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. That's gracious words. Outdo one another in showing honor. You know what? We are competitive people. In this world, we are competitive. We're competitive in sports. We're competitive in our parenting. We're competitive with our pictures. We're competitive with our clothes. We're competitive with our cars. This world is a world of competition. You only have to live in your estate to know it is a world of competition. Everybody wants the best garden, the best extension house, we are always in competition. And Christians should not be in competition. But there is one verse that tells you, Christians, I want you to compete against each other. The Bible tells us we are to compete against each other. How? Outdo each other in showing honor to one another. Do you want to compete, Christian? Speak honor to each other. And try and outdo one another in that. Outdo one another in showing honor. So that when you see someone in this church maybe showing their gifts, honor them. Tell them, thank you for that and be specific with them. Honor them. With our children, when you see the children in this service, listening to this service, singing out louder than some of the adults, go up to them and honor them. Thank them for their singing. Thank them for their service honor people. May we be that kind of church. 
You see, this week, this coming week, Passage Baptist Church, guess how old we are? We're one year old this coming week. One year old. Feels like we're a lot older than that, but we're not. We're one year old. I thought to myself, goodness me, I have only been an elder, a pastor, for officially for a year. A year. So you're looking at this guy going, why is he so bad at what he does? Because I've only been doing it a year. A year. Thank the Lord Brendan's around or else this place would blow up. A year. This is how long we've been here. Now what that means is this to me. We have not officially, I don't think, created a culture here yet. Do you know what I mean by that? Like every church that you would, might, might come to has a feel, has a culture, something like that. There is one part of the culture that we do have. We're a pretty loud church. So the culture is this. Children are welcome. Kids are welcome. And if it is a choice between you or the young kids, see you later. If you're bothered by the noise, goodbye. Because they are welcome here. That's one thing that's part of our culture that I, I'd say that's here that, that you've noticed. When, when Brendan, when you can't really hear him at the start of the service, I say hallelujah. Not because I don't want to hear him. Of course I do. But because the children are making noise and it is life and it is good for this church. But what could be another thing that is part of our culture? That we outdo one another in showing words of grace. That when people come into this church... They say, my goodness, these people, when they speak, I may not agree with them, but their words are gracious and sweet. Our words should be gentle. Our words should be gracious. And life-giving words, the third thing I will say, life-giving words are good words. Turn to Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. Life-giving words are good words. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. But a good word makes him glad. Anxiety. How many of us are prone to anxiety? Pretty much all of us. We can get anxious at times. And one of the things that drives anxiety is this, when you don't know what's coming in the future. So why has there been a massive rise in anxiety over the last couple of years? Because everybody doesn't know what's coming in the future. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen the next day? You can't order your life. You can't do it. So you're worried about the future. Anxiety, that's one of the components. I'm not an expert in this. I'm just saying that's one of the components. You're, you're wondering what's going to happen in the future. And so what does a good word do? A good word speaks into anxiety and says to the Christian, I know you're an- anxious about this. But guess what? The future is sure. He is coming back again. He is going to rule and He is going to reign. And so no matter what is happening in this anxious mess that you have and that I have, there is certainty in the future. So what a good word does is it comes up to his brother and sister and says, there is surety in the future. I know you don't see it now, but I'm going to speak this good word into your life. There is surety in the future. And also with anxiety, I think what happens with us in anxiety is we lose perspective of things. 
Things start to become really, really fast. When you're anxious about something, if you're, you're running an event or if you're doing exams, like it was this week, if you're anxious about something, everything gets really fast. You feel like you need to do it. You, feel you can't really control it. And what you need, what a good word is in that time, comes in, a good word gives you perspective and says, slow down. Slow down. It's going to be okay. We can handle this. Slow down. Life-giving words are good words. So what I'd encourage you as a church to do, look out for one another. Look out for each other. If you notice someone anxious, someone depressed, someone sad, anything like that, go to them. Ask the Lord to give you a good word for that person, a word that would speak life for that person. Help me, Lord, to speak a good word And you know what? A good word sometimes is no word at all. When people are mourning, sometimes they don't want you to hear the Lord's in control. Sometimes they don't want you to say the Lord is in control. What they want you to do is give them a hug and say, I'm with you. I'm with you. Because usually in mourning, words don't make sense takes wisdom to speak good words, good words. The last thing I'll say about our life-giving words is these. Life-giving words are truthful words. Turn to Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19. Life-giving words are truthful words. It amazed me as I was looking at Proverbs, and I was studying words. I took all the verses I could find, pull them all together, ship them all out into different categories or whatever. And what I saw as I studied, and it was the first time I saw it, is Proverbs, when it's talking about the tongue, it talks mostly to Christians and speaking words of life that we would speak truth. The drumbeat of Proverbs, the priority in our language is not just gentle words and gracious words and, and, and those kind of words, kind words. It is truthful words. Let me read to you some of the verses, not all the verses, and then we'll get to chapter 19. Just listen. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A lying tongue is alongside the hand that sheds innocent blood. Proverbs 10, verse 18, The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. Proverbs 14, verse 5, A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness breathes out lies. Proverbs 14, verse 25, a truthful witness saves lives, but one who breeds out lies is deceitful. Proverbs 17, verse 4, an evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. Proverbs 17, verse 7, fine speech is not becoming to a fool, still less is false speech to a prince. Proverbs 17, verse 20, a man of crooked heart does not discover good. A one with a dishonest tongue falls into calamity. 
Wisdom speaks truth. And now look at two verses in Proverbs 19, verse 5, says this, A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breeds out lies will not escape. And down to verse 9, A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breeds out lies will perish. We are called, brothers and sisters, to speak truthful words. Did you notice in those two verses and in all the verses lying, it talks about a false witness and a faithful witness. So what you've got in that picture between a false witness and a faithful witness, what you've got in that picture is the picture of a courtroom. And when you're in a courtroom, what does the judge and the jury want? They want a faithful witness, a witness who will stand and who will speak the truth. It is important in the courtroom to have someone who speaks the truth. And so it is with us. We have to seek to speak truth as if we were in the courtroom of life to be faithful, faithful witnesses. Now, some of you may not know. Some of you might know. My dad died as a lawyer. And my dad was a defense lawyer at one time. And as a defense lawyer, he had to represent people. And so one of the really important things as a defense lawyer when you went into court, before people went up and gave their testimony, one of the really important things when you're defending someone is that you would go into the room beforehand and you would say, right, you, you, you can tell me whatever you, you need to tell me. It is confidential here, but I need the whole truth. You know, if my dad was going to defend that person, he needed to hear the whole story. Don't want you to fake out in front of anybody. No one here you and me, I have to keep this privilege. I'm bound by law to keep it. You need to tell me the whole truth and don't leave out the details. Why? Because dad had to build a case on the basis of what that guy is saying. So there was one time he was defending a guy and he went into the room as he always does and he asked the guy to tell him the story. What happened? Don't leave anything out. What happened? So he tells him the story. Then the guy goes up to the stand, and dad's getting ready. Your man has to give his, his testimony or whatever. The guy gets up to the stand, puts his hand on the Bible or whatever they do here, says, I swear to tell the whole truth, you know, nothing but the truth. At least that's what I see in films, so help me God, you know, that kind of thing. And when he gave his testimony, the entire story was different than what he told my dad. The whole thing had changed. The whole thing. So my dad and mouth drops the cases over. I mean, dad has no defense. He has nothing that he can share. Dad wasn't happy. <laughs> and when the guy came down, dad looked at him and he looked at dad and he said, I know, I know. But he said, when I put my hand on the book, when I put my hand on the book, I couldn't. I couldn't. In this life, you don't have a book in front of you. This book, it's not a witness. This book isn't always with us. But the Lord, He's always with us. Part of the fear of the Lord is knowing His presence always with us. We always stand before Him. And brothers and sisters, He calls us 
to be faithful witnesses of the truth, of every truth. Why? Because the primary thing He calls us to do is what? You will be my witnesses in Judea, Sumeria, Jerusalem, and right to the ends of the earth. We are testifiers of the truth. And so if we're lying about everything else, and we're supposed to be testifiers of the truth, what's that going to do to the message? It's going to make people not want to listen to the message. So we are called to speak truthful words. Why? Because this is the very character of our God. The last verse I want you to turn to, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. Listen to the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Every word, every word, without question, every word that God speaks, every single word, it is true. And so we should be those who speak truth. And guess what happens? When we fail to be gracious, to be kind, to be loving, when we are attacked, when we lie, this is what happens. He shields us, and we find refuge in Him. The Lord speaks truth to us. Do you ever come to church and feel like, I don't know if I should be here. I don't think I deserve to be here. <laughs> I don't think I deserve to pray. I don't think I deserve to sing. I don't think I deserve to sit here. And you hear lies that accuse you. Who are you to be here? You liar. Who are you to be here? You, you were getting angry. You weren't gracious. Why are you here? What happens to me at times is this. Who are you to stand up and speak to them? Who are you? And it's at that, those moments that I remember every word my God speaks, it is truth. So when He says, I will never leave you and never forsake you, it is true. When He says to you, there is no more condemnation for your sin, your lies, your anger, it is true. When He says to you, the quick-tempered person, the person who hasn't been gracious or gentle, when He says, I love you, it is true. When He says, your sins are removed as far as the east is from the west, it is true. And you can bank that. There is refuge to be found in Him. There's a word that I want to teach you. It's Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are saved. I want you to run into the Lord this morning. Run into Him. 
Do you ever see those round towers, you know, as you're driving along in Ireland, you'll see those round towers. I often think to myself, I know I'm blabbing here, but just bear with me for a second. I know as I'm driving through these towns, I see these round towers, and I often wonder, what would it have been like when the guys were invading, but he runs into this tower? And they close it up, and they're in the tower. Can you imagine their, their brains as people are invading and doing whatever, and, and they're wondering, the safety of the tower safety in the Lord Jesus. We can find safety in the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. We sing it, don't we? The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and they are saved. For the word and the righteous run into it, and the Lord is a strong tower. For the righteous run into it, and they are saved. For the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Saved last time. For the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it, and they are saved. Last time, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it. Run into him this morning. No one has to tell you that your words, they're, they're vile and they're wicked at times. No one has to tell you that. But run into him. There's safety, there's forgiveness, there's refuge to be found in our Savior. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that there's safety found in you that you are our refuge, and we speak words of praise to you this morning, acknowledging that you are our King, and you are our Savior.